Kansas Matters. I'm Sarah Crick. Derek Milligan. Matt Cannon. David Wilcox. And we just got back from the first District 4 debate here in Kansas for the special election coming up on April 11th. And we are here to talk about it. Yeah, sadly, only debate. And ironically enough, the only debate we're going to be having, and debate's the wrong word, it was a forum, but the only forum we're going to be having, <laughs> uh, one of our candidates managed to miss, which is really disheartening. Ron. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Ron Estes, the uh, Republican nominee, decided not to uh, show up. I guess he had better things to do than to be in front of his con potential constituents. Something about a meeting in Topeka? Yeah. Did anybody else catch well, that? Well, no. They said in the email he uh, wrote that the women for Kansas. Nonpartisan group. Kansas. No, yeah, it is a nonpartisan group. They were too extreme. Oh, good. They were, they were far oh, too right. liberal and too extreme. So he didn't want to come. And let's Which, reiterate, they're a nonpartisan group that came about as a reaction to Brownback's policies. Right. So, hmm. Uh, I, I think, I, uh, so I, I took down as much as I could. He says, women for Kansas, uh, or, or the, the people hosting the debate, have an extremist agenda. Extremist agenda. So, take well, that as you will. Yeah. And the League of Women Voters. That's true. They want women to vote. That's that's and, asking a bit much. Yeah, we're just extremists by nature. Well, it's that whole. Well, like, they might start talking about thing. vaginas. And yeah, stuff. you can't have that. You risk. cannot have that risk. <laughs> that's there are children. Stuff. We might come back to Ron Estes later. Yeah. You know, he may come back to this district later. Who knows? <laughs> a poor man's Rush Limbaugh. No. Yeah. Right. So the actual attendees who decided to show up was the Libertarian candidate Chris Rockhold, and the Democratic candidate James Thompson, who. It's full disclosure, we all support here. Um, James, we support James Thompson, that is. And so this is a, an unashamedly biased discussion, but a discussion nonetheless. But so, we'll try to be fair as we're biased, so... Eh. <laughs> no, no, no we'll, we'll be fair. I, I have some criticism for from James, but... Yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, yeah. where would you guys like to start? Let's start from the top. Let's just... Start with uh, some of the questions they ask, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure some I, we'll have some discussion yeah. around some of these questions. I just think Chris Rockhold, Rockhold, is just yes. way too close to Chris Rock. I <laughs> I cannot get over this. Uh, I could tell like the second he walked in, he was tailoring his answers because he knew 95% of the crowd was James supporters. Yeah. yeah, we should mention that judging by the crowd reactions. Like you said, 95% Democrats in there. Yeah. Because Republican candidate doesn't show up, Republican audience doesn't show up, so. And I was really, I was really hoping for a libertarian audience to show up just because I, I wish that we could have gotten, well, uh, fair enough, <laughs> um, but I would have liked to have seen his raw answers <laughs> rather than answers tailored to to the audience he was in front of. Yeah, I, I see that. Like, he, he, he definitely... Kept stuck to his guns on some of the liberal, That's, not liberal, sorry, libertarian. Uh, I think uh, schools is probably the best example of that. Right. So let's let's start at the top like we talked about. I think the first question. It was healthcare. It was healthcare. healthcare. Yeah. As we all know. Because it's huge right now. Yeah. So. AHCA is coming out. Ask about that. Um, 
One thing I was happy with James Thompson, I don't know if I've heard him discuss this issue much, is he did advocate for single-payer healthcare. Yeah, that's exactly what I heard. Yeah. Just single-payer. That was all I got out of that, <laughs> to be honest. Well, it was nice to hear because, you know, as when we first talked to Thompson, you know, back before he got the nomination, he wasn't really speaking much about, uh, well, I'm sorry, he was speaking about being a progressive and how he was inspired by Bernie. And as a yeah. table of progressives, we were all really excited about that. But then he got to the actual camp, he got the nomination, got to the campaign, and the James Thompson we've seen has been a little bit more moderate, which I don't know about you all, but I was really hoping to see, I mean, Bernie won Kansas two to one. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. really looking forward to a progressive candidate. Oh. And I think this is the first time we've really seen him. On which issues do you think he uh, pulled more to the center after becoming a candidate? I can't really name a specific issue, to be totally honest with you. He just got less vocal okay. about some of his stances. It's not that he reneged on his stances. It's that he kind of walked back a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. And so... I mean, I think we all agree that single-payer healthcare is the most moral and the, the most future-proof version of healthcare that we have available in front of us. And and none of us want, uh, you know, the Republican healthcare plan to pass because, as James said, it is people will die. People will die under this plan, and yeah. that's just a fact. You know, 24 million people will lose their healthcare. And the ones who still have it, it'll, the quality will get worse. They won't cover pre-existing conditions. They will not have... They'll be able to shop across state lines, which really is just code for race to the bottom, right? Yeah. Like, the, they'll all incorporate in the states that have the, the least difficult requirements to meet. And so everyone has crap options to choose from. It won't be bronze, silver, and gold plans. It'll be, like, wood, dirt, and <laughs> yeah, more vulgar plans. Yeah, and, and I, Chris, his answers to the healthcare issue, I mean, the buying across state lines has been proven that that's not going to work. Each state has their own rules and regulations. Like, it's just impossible to put in place. And so every time, not, not only libertarians, but Republicans are pushing this for this too. And it's impossible to do. Like, Missouri is not going to have the same rules and regulations that Kansas is. And Missouri is not going to invest their time to, you know, sell to people in Kansas. So that was whole like just an I don't know. <laughs> I think it, it I mean and I'm going to be re hammering this point forward. I think libertarian ideology is just naive. I think it ignores yeah, but, yeah. basically all the history we have on whatever topic and assumes that people will have the capability of voting with their dollar first of all, which is not always an option. And second of all that companies aren't go that companies actually care about helping people. Well, and they don't. The invisible hand. <laughs> yeah, but they think it's a uh, benevolent hand, and it's not. I mean, we have, what, three million people in Kansas, and we have two options on the healthcare exchange in Kansas. Like, two options. And they're not going to suddenly flood in because you take away all this regulation. There's not enough people for it, right? So, we're, like, there's no reason for companies to start moving here and creating health insurance companies. So, yeah. I don't, I don't see that any merit to that free market yeah, I think you'd... I think... I got thirsty. There's there's really not that much preventing companies from opening up exchanges in other states right now. Yeah. They just choose not to. Yeah, they can't make money. 
Yeah, they just go where they can make the most money, and yeah. that's it. So, so I think that about covers the responses. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned schools earlier, sir. I did mention schools earlier because um, Mr. Rockhold was of the opinion that competition will better public schools. The voucher system won't destroy the public education system. It will, in fact, make it better by forcing them to compete with other entities. Um, so here's the problem starting off yeah. with, with competition is, um, and we're already uh, seeing these problems in a lot of in a lot of ways. Is we're in developing metrics and and trying to gauge just how well teachers are doing in the classroom because. Um, the students, you know, these little kids, they they have no I idea how to rate a professor and how 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 well the professor's doing, you know, the teacher's doing. The parents. I knew exactly. Well, how well yeah, like in, in third in third grade, you don't know what the perfect math teacher is. The perfect math teacher is. It was not Mrs. Page. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect math teacher is the one that gives you no homework, you know, in third grade. So so and the parents. They're they're removed from the classroom by at least a degree, right? Um, and so coming up with metrics that that work and that are measurable uh, for these kinds of things, it's starting off. Um, if you want to privatize something, first you have to. Um, yeah, first you have to even have ha have metrics to go by, something measurable, to see what's working and what isn't. So, right. I did like, to, to Chris's credit, I like that he clarified that um, he did not think that tax dollars should be redirected to private schools, which to me sounds like, as, as we see in a lot of places that, that encourage private schools, they give you tax deductions if you send your kids to private schools at best. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I did... Uh, I did agree with him on that, but that was about all I agreed with him on education. Well, and I'm going to have to ask here is like, so what makes that different from more or less what we already have? Because right now, and kind of what James Thompson was alluding to, is that you can send your kids to private school if you want to pay for it. There's nothing, nothing stopping you from that. So if we're taking, if we're not taking tax dollars to send kids to private schools, charter schools, what have you. Like, I, I guess I don't understand what exactly he's proposing if he doesn't want to use tax, do tax dollars to send those kids there. Well, it sounded to me like he thinks it should be basically what we have right now, but without the government providing incentive to do so. And I, I actually, I mean, I like his idea better than I like local Republicans' ideas because they want to spend tax dollars on sending people to private Christian schools, yeah. which... Is as James clearly pointed out, violates the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't have the government endorsing yeah. one religion over another, and that's exactly what it's doing. But, but uh, I mean, ultimately, Chris, he he keeps going back to that libertarian ideology that government is inherently inefficient. Yeah, and, and anytime yeah. you have a private entity in a situation, there, there's going to be a profit model, and so right. they and are inherently to going to be less not efficient. inefficient either. It, it's yeah. you know that's just an. Well, ridiculous yeah. argument. And also assumes the moral behavior of, of private entities. Yeah. Like, it, without, like, without regulation. Like, we, we have <laughs> a teacher shortage. We have a teacher shortage as is. Like, how are you going to get so much competition that the market's going to fix itself? Yeah. You I can't. 
a private school will have a fiduciary obligation, right? Yeah. Like they're required to earn as much money as possible, right. which is inherently in contradiction to providing the best education possible. Right. It, you can't have both those things. But remember, guys, he doesn't think kids are a business. Yeah, they're not a business. <laughs> no, in full fairness, this section of the forum did produce, I think, one of my favorite lines. I like roads. That was probably one of my favorites. Oh, that was a good one. He, he was mentioning how hardcore libertarians uh, hate roads and everything, but he, I like roads. Well, you know, roads should be privatized. Yes. Only because... So why? Nobody <laughs> knows. I like paying more money that way. I, I wanted to want to respond to one thing you said. If the ACA was so wonderful, why did Congress opt out of it? Uh, they're rich. Yeah. The end. Yeah. <laughs> but remember, the all end. of his views are based on the idea that the dollar is powerful. So that kind of in, it fits right in with this model. You'd think he'd be okay with it, but their dollar is really powerful. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the I don't remember. This response, if it was whether with schools or getting more women involved in politics, but one thing I did like that I heard from James is uh, returning civic classes to schools, and that was actually yeah. one of Hillary's policies that I loved was her idea of the uh, civic oh, volunteer. I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean it. The uh, the civic volunteering program because she wanted to get a large uh, civic workforce uh, as sort of a scholarship program and. That would give people work experience and and, I, and foster a feeling for civic responsibility, and so I, I think that's a uh, something that's not emphasized in this right. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um. Yes. <laughs> so did anyone I, else I think it was? There and I totally forgot. Did anyone else think it was, a, or maybe this is just me, little you know, bleeding heart feminist over here? But did anyone else think it was funny that? Uh, Chris Rockhold's like good example as to how he was going to help get women in politics was an anecdote about how he spoke to a young man. I spoke to a young man in the hall earlier who was 18 years old and already very politically active and loves to study history and politics. And we need to encourage more of that. We need to get more of our young minds involved in the process. Did anybody else I, catch that? I'm a male, so I didn't catch that. <laughs> I definitely caught that. Was a little, a little disappointing. Yeah, the logic is a young man is here, therefore, young women could potentially be here <laughs> if they wanted to, but we yeah. shouldn't do anything to encourage that. I think what he meant was not a young, a lot of young people are involved. You're mansplaining. Yeah. Well, I mean. Well, <laughs> I am a man and I'm explaining something. Therefore, <laughs> given. <laughs> Someone I disagree with, the libertarian, the benefit of the doubt, I think he was saying an underrepresented group is here <laughs> in some form. I feel like you're reaching. I'm going to be, <laughs> that's a little bit of a reach. It's, I mean, it's an anecdote. It's not a huge deal, but it does kind of indicate, it indicates a lack of forethought. You know, this is not something that he's ever given any real consideration to, whereas James Thompson, we know, has given some consideration to, to things like this. He's active well, within the Women's March and the groups that sprung out of that. So, that's, I don't well, know, I think there's Chris, a steep comparison. Chris brought up that we need to encourage more groups, group organizations, to get involved with uh, women in education, which could be things like SWE. You know, Society of Women Engineers and things like that. So he alluded to that. He didn't really give a 
good answer. That's, that's something that I was about to mention is it frustrates me. They're all platitudes. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we should get more groups involved. How? He's like, yeah, we should have what more groups? conversations. Okay. And he, but he, he fundamentally does not want the government to be involved. So how do you incentivize those groups to get more involved? Right. You just say, hey, guys, it'd be cool if you guys got Go more involved. This. Well, the free market has to decide that people <laughs> want to be involved. We should start paying these people, like George Soros or something. But, yeah, only if it's a financially uh, worth our while. Right. <laughs> so, uh, one of the other topics that I'm sure is uh, ripe for discussion was when they asked about how, basically, the gist of the question was, how are you going to future-proof the workforce, right? With the increase in automation and machine learning, blah, 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 there's going to be less jobs in the future, period. Yeah, and that was something that never came up in the 2016 election at all. It was always jobs were lost because of trade deals. And how are we going to bring previous jobs back? Yeah, but nobody mentioned, because nobody knows what to do about it. Nobody has this answer for the automation thing so yeah i think we're, we're on such a dangerous path like we're not that far from completely eliminating entire industries yeah so i'd be interested to hear um so you mentioned before on our way back from the debate that you weren't really satisfied with either candidate's answer and i was actually kind of impressed by thompson's answer uh so i'm interested to hear why you were unimpressed right so tom Thompson, if I remember correctly, was basically emphasized um, training, retraining for jobs that have disappeared and, and training for future industries, which, yes, I do agree that that's important. I think that's a good short-term solution. What, and the question specified medium or long-term solutions, and the fact is you can't train people for jobs that don't exist anymore. And we're going to see, I mean, the service industry is going to not exist probably by the end of our lifetime, if not sooner. Uh, uh, self-driving vehicles are going to eliminate entire industries and so we really need a, a we need a whole new paradigm way of thinking about unemployment and I mean I, I was hoping because a lot of progressives I think uh, favor the idea of a universal basic income and I was I was kind of crossing my fingers out to hear that but that's those are, those are dangerous <laughs> I feel words like that's way too progressive for Kansas yeah. <laughs> to be honest We're at this point in time there, there's a number of things to do with tax revenue like that one of them one of the common ones is use uh, universal basic income. Another one is to um, to use tax incentives uh, to um, to pay for job training centers, kind of like the one we have. Workforce Alliance, yeah, which the, is an excellent program, by the way. Right, and, and, and that's important to have those kinds of things to to retrain people who who whose skills are no longer uh, as skills you, are no longer viable, right. or they never learn the skills to begin with. Right, but for people later on in their careers, you know, those old dogs who don't want to learn those new tricks or can't, you know, well, I mean, if, if you're... Right-clicking right is pretty difficult. Though. If you're 55, right, <laughs> you why, why, why would real. you... <laughs> well, there, there's an amount of time it takes to get a return on an investment, you know, and education is an investment. If someone's, like, two years from retirement, they lose their job, um, you know, you're not going to... It, well, it, it wouldn't really be worth... Uh, it for that community to pay all those resources to retrain them, you know, so we, we got to take care of those people. And not to mention that, I mean, these would presumably be lower paying jobs than what they previously had, you know, and, yes. if, and they, so they'd have to be kind of starting over from the start and people don't want to do that. Yeah. You don't want to go from making 40 bucks an hour, uh, you know, say in the future they automate stress engineering, three of us are stress engineers. 
you know, we don't want to then switch off and take a $10 an hour job doing something, some future job that, you know, robot repair or whatever. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be a huge problem. They're going to have robots to repair the other robots. They'll be 3D printing other robots to fix the other robots that broke. <laughs> We're so screwed. <laughs> that, I Humans believe that's will anyway, be on that note. <laughs> that's called the uh, singularity, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the but, Terminator shows up. Well, I mean, like, a lot of the jobs in Kansas died. are, first and foremost, what's the first thing you think of is, like, farming, right? A lot of farming jobs. <laughs> Not too many me anymore, because there's been robots that take over their jobs. <laughs> Why is that so funny? I don't know. Well, um, there okay. are literally combines that can drive themselves. They run on GPS. It, this is a thing. It's already happening. But yeah, like, in our big driver in Wichita is aerospace. And I know a lot of the machining jobs could be done with robots. Yeah, that aren't already. Maybe the union is the last thing that's saving their ass. I, I mean, know. I think Moore's law is going to start taking effect when it comes to robotics and so, machine learning. I mean, it's a very serious issue. That I'm sorry, what's going to start taking effect? Uh, Moore's law. It's it's an idea that basically you never stop accelerating the pace at which technology advances. To put it very simply, and so like once a technology does show up, the next better version shows up even quicker, and then the next better version even quicker, and so. You, it's like this avalanche effect, and so once once robotics get to a point where they can, you know, find and drill holes as effectively as a human, it's not many years from there. Then then you're not going to have humans on the assembly line anymore. Yeah. Moore's law, more specifically, is he knows that the number of transistors per square inch on uh, integrated circuits oh. have doubled every year <laughs> since their invention. Yeah, which go. basically means computing power du doubles every year. And we keep thinking it's going to stop happening, but it keeps happening. Yeah, and I think other industries besides com computation have, are seeing similar effects. Um, but anyways, um, it's just it's frustrating to me that no one seems to be discussing that because it's going to be a, a whole like worldwide crisis of you can't retrain someone for a job if that there's no need for that job in the first place because yeah. pe people will not have jobs. There'll be no jobs available. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it, it's quite that bad. So once once things start being more and more available to people, like labor is cheaper and cheaper, people start wanting more and more things, right? I mean, that's just so robots bigger. will make those things. <laughs> well, maybe you want art, like, because that's the thing that's most expensive. Like, people want caviar just because it's a thousand dollars, you know, a, a little plate. That that's the sole reason people want it. But just because it's uh, people people want this extra special beer that this one monastery makes just because, but, you because know, it's rare. Because it's rare. It's the whole someone, diamond ideology. Someone will buy an album just for themselves <laughs> to listen to, <laughs> and you know, just you know, who was that? Do you remember that one? Yeah. Oh yes, I know what you're talking about. It was a. Uh, Whatever. Um, but not, so but then they need a universal basic income so that they can become artists. Screlly! Like, Holy crap, that's the guy who did it. He bought. Is in Pharma Bro? Yeah. That's right. It was a. Uh, Holy crap. Uh, rap album, wasn't it? I have to wait eight seconds to see it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Business Insider. Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> it was a Wu Tang Clan album. Yeah, it was uh, a Wu Tang. Yeah. I can't believe Wu Tang Clan. Man, Wu Tang Clan. 
Selling out. Yeah, they used to be nothing to fuck with. Now they aren't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I I, I think that's a discussion. It, it seems like a silly topic, but it it seems like sci-fi. Yeah, but I don't. But think, it's very. Real. I think it's on the horizon. Yeah. So, and, and this is just kind of me thinking out loud. But from the industrial industrial revolution to now, we've seen kind of an increase in the white collar job as a response to the loss of the, of the industrial age, right? Yeah. So, are we going to see an increase in those artists' positions and things like that, or is the funding cut for the National Endowment for the Arts that has been proposed going to kill all of those? Well, yes. It will if they get if they keep cutting it. Yeah, if we just focus on more military and you know no more art, I guess. Hey, but you can put some sweet graffiti on the wall, maybe before you blow the shit out of it. <laughs> we'll just have an entire country full of Banksies. It'll be fine. Um. So, but that that was another thing that came up during the debate is uh, Trump's proposal to cut the National Endowment of the Arts. Yeah. And uh, and so the libertarian response. This is Chris's, my other favorite line from yeah, him. Chris's response was that cutting arts funding is not his top priority, which is interesting language to me. He said there, there's basically there's bigger fish fish to fry than such as defense. That was his defense. example. Yeah, rather than going after uh, arts funding, which means eventually he will be going after arts funding. And, but that's not a surprise. I mean, that's a libertarian standpoint. Is they sh the government should not be supporting just about any industry. And so, I don't know. O obviously, I, I believe we're all fundamentally in disagreement with that statement. Oh, and what I is agree. what is a? I'll look it up real fast. I think the National Endowment for the Arts is less than 005 percent. It's, like it's like 150 million dollars a year. Yeah. Or like 170. It, it's. It's absolutely nothing. Well, and they're also... Does that... <laughs> like, in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. And does the Endowment for the Arts include um, public radio and libraries? Because that's the one that caught my attention. Cut it, uh, cutting funding for libraries. That's really upsetting. Um, I don't know if it's libraries or not. But it is like PBS, NPR, stuff yeah. like that. All benefits from, from National Endowment of the Arts. 0.03% is the number... Is the percentage of the national budget that the National Endowment of the Arts takes up, and so, you know, he's Trump is going after the t the smallest fish imaginable, basically. Like, yeah. But it sounds good to get rid of those dirty artists, so that's I'd, what I'd we're gonna curious, do. I'd be curious One if the thing. cost of additional security in Trump Tower all year long would <laughs> be the same as the National Endowment of the Arts. One must wonder, though I I do think um, Thompson had a, a couple you know decent sound bites throughout this forum, and uh, uh, one of the ones I liked uh, happened to be from this particular topic, where he said creative thinking instead of indoctrinated thinking is what allows us to grow. Um, so I have to feel I have to say that I I feel like he did a really good job overall getting some of those sound bites out. Yeah. I think I liked I liked that comment in particular because indoctrination seems to be what Republicans accuse Democrats of doing like all the time, right? Like how many children were indoctrinated by Obama? Colleges just, make good liberals. <laughs> yeah. Just climate change in general. That's yeah. indoctrination by in fact I believe James Inhofe 
of Oklahoma said that today. Mr. Snowball. Mr. Snowball. Oh, can't, have, can't have global warming if snow still exists. <laughs> like, refrigerators don't exist, apparently. Which is where he kept that snowball. Not the freezer? No, he didn't just pull it from outside. He kept it in the freezer. Mm. Oh, good. <laughs> Fun fact. What a jerk. He's ready for this day. <laughs> He's born for this. These are people that James is, hopefully, if he wins, is going to have to deal with. But granted, that's a senator, but... Yeah. Anyway. We still have to deal with them and those like them. Uh, do y'all remember in what context they say this? I wrote this down. But uh, Chris said, uh, Fed creates money out of thin air, right? And, and meaning the Treasury prints money. Um, and I, I wonder if you guys could put that in into some sort of context or... The system is rigged. We have a Federal Reserve that just creates money out of thin air. Do you have any control over it? Do you know how much they're creating? Nobody does. Nobody audits them. So the Fed doesn't actually print money, right? He's talking about the Treasury, I guess. Um, maybe the, he's saying the Federal Reserve tells them when to do it. So he was talking about how the bank system was oh, the problem. Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. That was that was actually his answer to the the future question where we just got off on a tangent about robots. Uh, <laughs> that was that was one part of his answer to what's the future of basically work in general, and he went on some tangent about how the banking system is rigged. Yeah, <laughs> which is correct, oh, but yeah, the disparity and income inequality is due to the banking system and money creation. Right. Which, can someone explain that to me? Because now that I'm looking at my notes, uh, I, I've got no. I why? What is that from? Explain. Uh, explain. Like, it doesn't his, make any sense. Water. Is what I'm saying. It well, doesn't make any sense. So he, he's saying the the Fed prints money and, and in effect um, uh, controls the amount. A, a supply of dollars that are that are circulating. So when, when so whenever uh, money is printed, it's distributed to to member banks, right? And then and then they can loan them out, right? So I guess, but what I'm saying is, what? How does that contribute to income inequality? I think um, you said the rules were rigged for well, the banks and. Well, oh. I, I've heard this covered in a number of different ways. One of them is inflation is controlled to make sure that. Yeah. So, like, if you're not constantly investing your money, or doing something productive with your capital, if you're just letting it sit in a bank, it's depreciating, right? Uh, Falling behind inflation, yeah. Right, right. It, so, but um, yeah, so. It, High amount, how much, high amounts of inflation mean but, you have to do something productive. With again, yourself. this was this guy's answer to what's the future of work. So okay. yeah, the, <laughs> like, <laughs> the whole the full context was that um, he was talking about how entrepreneurship is the future for work. Right. He you know asked how many people are in here are entrepreneurs. Quite a few people raised their hand. He asked how many had their businesses basically strangled by regulation. Almost no one raised their hand, which was kind of funny. Yeah. It kind of ruined his point. Um, yeah. But. So he, his idea for the future is that we need to encourage entrepreneurship and people have difficulty getting loans from the banks and stuff like that. And so that's why the banks are rigged is because they'll hand out money to the big players, but they won't hand out money to small businessmen and people want to start businesses, which I don't, I have no data backing up those claims. I don't know how true it is. I mean, 
I've not heard of people having trouble getting business loans the, when they actually this have this a good This is Trump's idea. America. You don't fucking well, need data. One question I have, though, is are there any banks that aren't member banks that don't get cash whenever, whenever the Fed breaks money? Or... Do credit unions? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Uh, uh, Maybe this is a topic to research for later. Yeah, well, I'm just... One of the things I thought was interesting in reviewing the notes that I took on this, you know, we had the future of jobs discussion, right? La-di-da-di-da. And then they add... um, Russell Fox, one of the moderators, asked Thompson, okay, so based on your answer, I'm assuming that you're for job retraining, et cetera, et cetera. And all of this bank business was in response to the retraining question. Yeah, that's right. That's what I said. Yeah. The entrepreneurship is all tied into that with that. I think I think the idea is that the banks don't provide favorable enough loans to individuals to start their own businesses, which is apparently the future of the economy. The point I'm making though is that the question was about retraining. Yeah. Not... Well, he was eager. He was eager. Well, retraining was one of their <laughs> answers. The question itself was just how do you handle the increase of automation and whatnot. But uh, so I think I don't remember if this is the exact next question or whatnot. But the the question about the EPA and conserving yeah. the environment, basically about so, the thirty one percent, or they said twenty eight. I don't know, but thirty one, twenty eight, whatever. It's a oh, ridiculous of the budget. Of yeah, the EPA it's budget, a ridiculous yeah. cut, and basically how they would handle it. Right. And so Chris provided the guidance that companies should be involved. And they should be at the table with the EPA, with the local people, in deciding how best to preserve the environment. I think the woman in front of me, she was shaking her head so much she had to leave. Like, during that moment. <laughs> she couldn't take it anymore. Her like, spinal fluid was depleted. <laughs> she just couldn't take it anymore, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's such a ridiculous statement that the companies are somehow going to work in our best interest without oversight. Yeah, it's completely spits in the face of like all of American history, like all of American history. And Thompson, I mean, he pointed out that they're going to go for dollars over people every time. That's just economics. The things that we have learned time and again is that you can't allow companies to make decisions when safety is a concern because they will choose profits over people every time. I loved in his example about Washington how at first Portland cut down all of their trees. And, yeah, what the heck? <laughs> which, it's funny because uh, so, Washington, or Seattle, actually had to build a second city on top of the first one because they deforested so much that it caused landslides which buried the original Seattle. So I think this was left over from whenever he ran in Washington two years ago. And he he had a, a talking point that he reused. It's an old and, and, and it was perhaps, perhaps a little out of context. Yeah, I mean, nobody really understood what the hell he was talking about with the Oregon story. Stumptown makes really good coffee. I'll say that. Again, I don't know what that means. This is Kansas. That means Matt <laughs> advocates for businesses being involved in environmental decisions. Oh, Obviously. I see. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Oh. It's... It was kind of absurd. But it's naive. It's it's naive and it doesn't make and, sense. And what was, again, like one of his other talking points was, well, we just all need to get together to solve problems. Yeah. That's such a generic answer. I'm sick of that fucking answer. 
I, yeah. I'm tired of it. Like, that's all they say is like, well, let's just get together and talk about it. If people let's get just everyone didn't to argue the anymore. table. Get everyone to the table. <laughs> I, I think both of them said that. Oh, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not leaving, like, yeah, oh, yeah, letting yeah. Jim off of this. <laughs> and in full, like, full fairness, to some degree, I kind of buy into that crap. Like, the kumbaya, let's all sit around and talk like real yeah. people thing. It's just not realistic. I know, well, I, but I keep <laughs> trying. Yeah. I, I believe that both people who showed up to the event or to the debate were actually willing to talk and listen to people. Uh, you know, the, the person who didn't show up, he's obviously... Okay, he made it quite clear. He has no intention <laughs> of listening to other people. But they, made, but they made that clear by showing up. Getting your hippie from... What was this coffee place? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't deserve... You don't deserve... Listen, getting that guy plus, like, Monsanto and then your congressman all together sitting at a table, like, come on. Well, I mean, well, well, industry, yeah. industry being at the table for the TPP is what turned it into such hot garbage. Yeah. Industry being at the table for helping write the ACA is why Medicare is not allowed to negotiate drug prices. Like, it, but this is they benefit. Real. They argue to benefit themselves and no one else. That's that's their entire responsibility as a company. They argue right. for profits. Well, yeah, the shareholders' interests. Right. Right. Uh, I hate that phrase so much. It implies like, it, it it implies kindness and altruism when really it's just bullshit. No, no, it's just profit. Like the, the one thing, like if me or you try to go out and buy a stock, we're gonna look at the company and and, and see like what odds are it that I'm gonna get a really high return. And that's yeah. all you really care about when you invest. I mean, that's the only yeah. thing shareholder cares about. And yeah, going back to privatizing education, any investor. And education would care about the same thing. Just how much money are you going to squeeze out of parents? Right. The private prison system. You know? Yeah. That's one thing I wish was asked of of the libertarian. It, I would be curious the libertarian response to that. Yeah. Because the usually gut response is to privatize something. And prison, and we, we have been moving away from privatizing prisons. Well, I mean, we had been. We've, we had been, yes. The current administration's reversed that executive order. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I was interest. I'm interested to think because he doesn't want to privatize everything. He doesn't want to privatize uh, roads, right? That's a natural monopoly. It's good that he doesn't want to privatize a natural monopoly. Uh, and I, I think some things like uh, internet infrastructure, cable infrastructure, which are also natural monopolies, should be uh, socialized. Um, uh, I was. I would think it. I don't know if private prisons are necessarily a natural monopoly or not. Uh, I don't think it really matters if it's a monopoly. I do... I, I don't... Well, it depends where we send our prisoners. If the state will send their prisoners to wherever costs less money, then it will it will become a, na a natural monopoly. And yeah, and, and the internet infrastructure is a good one because that's another policy that has not caught up with the needs of today. Right? You can't find a job without internet. You can't hardly exist without internet, yet it's not a regulated... Listen, it's not a commodity. You either can afford your iPhone or your commodity. health insurance. You don't get both. That's true. Yeah. You greedy bastard. <laughs> Never mind. How am I going to text my doctor a picture of my uh, boils so he can Did diagnose me with my wood plan on the AHC? <laughs> You're going to outsource the doctors. Did... Um... 
Chris Rockhold have any of that information on his website by any chance? Did anybody Does he that? have a website? I have no idea. Did the free market ask for him to have a website? <laughs> Apparently not. You can a host a website <laughs> for free on different places. He could have one if he wanted. Matt, didn't you find his website? Yeah, it was it was pretty. Uh, was it like a GeoCities website or something? Am I, am I, <laughs> well, oh. am I too old? <laughs> I swear I'm a millennial. I've heard that word before. <laughs> Well, so so he had three, I know what that is. He had three <laughs> paragraphs in his issues section. Um, I I don't know I don't know what he spends most of his time uh, on the campaign doing, but it's not filling out his webpage. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Types, maybe he's hunting text types, so it is. <laughs> okay, well, but he could have just reused the one he had in Washington when he ran. Just changed Washington to Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I I, I turned into bullet points. Um, uh, looks like there's about seven of them. Okay. Uh, but like he calls for transparency, audit the Fed, smaller government, balanced budget, typical, typical things. Typical things and very vague I mean, things. Um, that's just a very like moderate just, Republican response. Well, yeah. I mean, he's an anarcho. He's an ANCAP for sure. Uh, I mean, he thinks we locked too many people up for victimless crimes. It's, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah. That's the one thing I actually agree with libertarians on, is drug policy. Yeah. He wants I mean, to privatize or abolish most federal agencies. But I mean, yeah, most. Not. He agrees with Trump there. Progressives have obviously adopted that policy, too, the drug policy as well. That's so. what I was I'm not saying, say. I'm not saying I prefer it over the progressive policy. It's just convincing the... The, the Democrats as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. I also found out he does his taxes at H&R Block. Did you hack him? No. He, Are he, you Russian? He was way too specific about the, the IRS has such a complicated tax code. The, the HR, H&R Block felt it was necessary to use IBM's Watson. What do you know? And you know why we have such a complicated tax code? It's because lobbyists like H&R Block <laughs> lobby Congress to keep it complicated. <laughs> That's actually... That's true. That is 100% true. The IRS has said they can do all of everyone's taxes for them automatically at no cost to the consumer. And lobbyist groups have kept it in the hands of the consumers so that the H&R blocks of the world can keep that natural monopoly on your tax returns. That, yeah, so his viewpoint is inherently opposed to itself. Holy crap. Boom. I just, I just ruined libertarianism. <laughs> well, no, you I just mean, ruined him. <laughs> liber I mean, capitalism unregulated destroys itself. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> unregulated capitalism leads to the United States of Walmart. Is that That's the name? <laughs> okay. Is that, is that the name of the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. That one, that didn't that hit as well as I thought it would. That's not quite as good as, like, your, the rent is too damn high. Rent is too damn high. Oh, man. Oh, but I totally forgot where we were, what we were even discussing in the first place. Well, we were discussing the privatization of various things. I, I, well, I was looking at his website. You know, well, we, we started off with the EPA, and somehow we got to that. But... Yeah, so... I mean, the whole point is that all his answers were tailored to everything should be privatized, really. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, that's just a typical libertarian response to everything. But, but there was did, no surprises there. He did, yeah. he did have some 
uh, some deviation, right? Well, I mean, uh, he, his he, his first he, he, he opened up this question with he didn't want to privatize Rose, as I said. Right. <laughs> and the arts are not his top priority to defund. Yeah, he didn't say they they weren't on the list, but they're not a top priority. But, so you're safe okay. for now. Again, going back to the EPA, he was like, um, he started off the question to the audience, you know, hey, do you do you guys think the EPA is doing a good job on clean water and things like that? Everybody's just kind of like, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, like, I, I don't. It could be better. Like, our we know what the alternative is right now. I mean, I can drink from the I, tap. Yeah. This isn't like, and not every city is Flint, Michigan. I'm sorry, but. I, w I was confused and. Like, Flint, Michigan was actually well, the result of, like, Bad policies. And you know, I think like, that's what it he was the looking for. But it's still not the EPA. He was looking fault. for us like, to blame the EPA right. rather than the state of Michigan and right. yeah. so on. For and their so bad on. decision to. In reality, without the EPA, it probably would have been decades before we discovered the lead content of that. Rivers water. were on fire. I, I <laughs> thought he was practicing Inception, like, <laughs> like you know, like like you read a horoscope and you're like, yeah, that is me. Yeah. I was hoping every question would start with, bias? how many of you guys have blank? Like it's a very obvious question for like a solid four or five of maybe seven or eight topics. Yeah. He was looking real hard to relate. He was trying. But I'll give him that. He was trying. We all just need to he discover seems our like inner a decent guy. Yeah, like you know, I'll give him that. He's a nice guy. <laughs> but he he had two pages on on, on his website. He also had an about page. Uh, he, he yeah. yeah. Speaking of websites, I tried to find out information on Ron Estes, and he has a claim on his commercials and his websites about how he has returned 1.5 million dollars to Ameri to Kansas taxpayers. There Wait, who's this Ron Estes guy? Legend has it. He exists. Oh, I don't, I don't remember him. He's a ghost. That's why we couldn't see him. Oh, he, yes. But I, I looked high and low. I searched for Kansas news articles. I could find nothing about where that $1.5 million came from. I even emailed the campaign. Haven't got a response yet. So I mean, that's frustrating to me whenever they make a claim like I, that and there's nothing to back it I up. Mean, we talked about this at lunch today about... He, yo, okay, he gave back a million and a half dollars to presumably a million and a half taxpayers in in Kansas. I hope you invested your I return. invested on the dollar menu. <laughs> <laughs> value menu? <laughs> I'm sorry, the value menu. I can't say dollar menu. That's a sponsor. Problematic. But no, like, that, like, yeah, that's a ridiculous claim, too. It's like... Yeah. And it's ironic to me that I'm... I'm getting stonewalled on my question I sent to the Republican candidate, who also did not show up to the debate, who also did not show up to a candidate forum earlier this week. And that was not even, that was like a no-call, no-show. Well, I mean, what's his incentive to answer, right? Uh, he's, he's, he's seen that people consistently vote Republican here, and that's what, I mean, that's why he didn't show up. He's like, uh, I don't have to. No, nope. he has nothing to gain. Right, he, he's saying no one's engaged. These what two hundred and seventy-eight? They said people that showed up. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. not convincing them to vote for him anyway. So why is he showing up? Yeah, he's hoping to keep a low profile and hoping that the natural numerical Republican advantage in Kansas carries him to victory. And that's frustrating. And I mean, we're we're all very active. Has any of you guys actually seen him yet? At any of these events that no. are for all candidates? Uh, I, I saw the Brownback YouTube channel. <laughs> and I, and the one I, you're subscribed to? Yeah. The one that you disliked? 
Well, so so there's one like, one dislike on the video. So it's a wash. Lot, yeah, lots of people are paying attention. Lots of people care. Everyone's all, talking about all it. All 126 views. Yes. Probably from his mom. I don't know. Which is why we made this podcast, right? So people will pay attention. So people will get interested. Yeah. Because we're so interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, we're trying. We're trying. And the, the and here's the thing of it. Like, right now, Republicans are kind of running scared, right? Because they're seeing the backlash that Democrats saw from the Tea Party. Like, across the country, Republicans just aren't showing up to anything. Um, our own state representative and senator didn't show up to multiple town halls that were scheduled. And so it's Ugh. just... I hate... I, Pat I, Roberts... He's the worst. He's the worst. And I think what's frustrating to me is the, just the overall attitude of, I don't need to earn anyone's vote because they're going to see the R behind my name and I'm going to get it by default. And I really hope that uh, Republican voters, even if they don't vote for Thompson, just stop and think critically about that fact, that he doesn't feel like he has to earn their support. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good point that... that they basically, the, well, both of them. Chris, Chris yeah. really hit that hard, though. Mr. Estes, apparently, since we've been voting Republicans since 1992, and he just assumes that trend will continue. Yeah, very good. And looking around this room, I can say that Mr. Estes had better not count his chickens. It's just sending a message that Republican politicians don't care about their constituents. They're too afraid yeah. to show up at town meetings, and then they make the flimsy excuse, which they know is not true, that the protesters are paid, right? Like that's well, <laughs> and if that's the case, guys, I'm waiting on my check. Well, there were no protesters at this I, event. It's constituents, right? I mean, not most people in the crowd did not agree with Listen. the libertarian, but he was there. He was respected. I, yeah, I got my Soros check. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ruined it for all of us. <laughs> I'm Wait, still you guys waiting. didn't get one. No. Oh. I'm no. still waiting. Must have been for your alternative services. I'll keep my fingers <laughs> crossed and wait for the check. I'm losing it. Yeah, and that's, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I, the special election's coming up here on April 11th, and I think... Deadline to register to vote is March 21st. Yeah, it's coming up Five soon. days. Oh, my God. So, everyone... When you, when the thousands of uh, Fourth District people listen to this podcast, make sure you're registered. <laughs> um, so, listen, if, we have high hopes here. Yeah. yeah, if S's had actually been there, like, what do y'all think this would have looked like? It would have been probably like five less questions. Yeah, um, it probably would have been louder. I you, mean, you think he's a loud guy? He doesn't seem like a loud. No, guy. I no, I mean, I, I think, I think some there would have been a little more animosity amongst the crowd. Just, what I might be saying. <laughs> yeah, I was glad that they quickly shut down the uh, heckling that was going on in the crowd uh, during Chris's response about. Well, that old lady was just adorable. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, like, you know, disappoint uh, her. I don't know. Yeah, she she got up once. She only had to go up once. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't know. I I I wish that he had shown up, like, because we could get a, a read. Maybe there would have been just as many Republicans as Democrats have shown up. I don't know. Like, I, there's been more Democrats at recent events than ever here in Kansas, I feel like. I, I think a friend's university sounds a little too communal. Uh, 
I think we gave him the wrong impression. We should have met at like a butler. Uh, they're used to butlers. Like they, they, everyone dreams that they're gonna make it big, right? Uh, like a friend's university? No, no. <laughs> no. Sorry. Fifty-five minutes. Yeah, the. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if we just said it was sponsored by the NRA or something, he'd have made more effort to show up instead of all those uh, friends of the NRA activists, women, well, extremist what was women. The other organization. It was the League of Women Voters and Women for Kansas. Well, yeah, you know, you don't want to be around those. That's yeah. <laughs> women are scary. Yeah. That's well, two women. That's two women's. Too many women. Yeah. <laughs> two women's. Oh man. Women, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> We're losing um, it here. <laughs> so the the. Yeah, we already covered like how how they repeal to uh, Republicans. That was, yeah, how that they're was going the final... to pull, how they're going to pull, you know, opposing voters. Yeah, that was the final question to both of them, right? Was I'm glad y'all glad y'all are here. I'm glad y'all both came and you're good sports. And you're both probably gonna lose. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, that you know, but but they're saying like, well, how do you appeal? How do you, you know, yeah. and, and that and that was basically what they said. We already we already uh, kind of covered was that both uh, <laughs> both both of them said well well Chris said it said it really well. At the end of the day, if you support me or you support Mr. Thompson, we're sending a message to those people who just assume because they carry a letter next to their name that they're somehow entitled to that job. So what I would encourage you to do right now is go talk to your friends, if they're Republican, if you can stand to have dinner with them for a few minutes. <laughs> that you would encourage them to get informed and let them know there is an election and mention to them that your guy just kind of assumed that he had your vote in the bag. How do you feel about that? So it's well, the well, um, so Chris assumes that he'll that he'll just get the vote by default. And um, what Chris was asking was if all of us audience members could go talk to our Republican friends and be like, "Has he earned your vote? Do you think he will work to earn your vote? If he's not working to earn your vote do now, you do you think he'll listen to you?" Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like. <laughs> how how do you expect this guy to to be honest to to listen to you? I mean, if even though he thinks he's gonna win, he can't even show up. Like zero risk for him. Zero risk, and it was yeah, just. No, very I, but I think James had a good point about the uh, the moderate Republicans actually helped him. I had no idea I didn't know about that. that the headquarters were donated yeah. by the by Republicans. I yeah. had no idea. I mean, that's I, I, I mean, that as a very good sign. I did too. They, it was they really see encouraging Estes to me. as this like very far right Tea Party guy that you know he's doesn't share the views that. Yeah, he came to power in 2010 with the Tea Party wave. Right. Right. He, he was he was uh, part of the Brown Back ad administration, the Brown Back experiment that came in in 2010. Brown Brackistan. Uh, he re he replaced um, McKinney. Oh, what's his first name again? James. James. No. It's not James. Dennis. 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 Yeah, Dennis McKinney, the guy that uh, Thompson 
edged out in the Democratic primary. Um, he was replaced in 2010 by, by this guy, Estes. You know, they, it was part of the Tea Party wave. Yeah, and he won by a huge margin, right? It was about 30%, if I remember correctly. Uh, well, I don't remember the numbers, but it, it, was it, it, it wasn't close. Yeah. See, uh, I mean, I, I took that as a very positive sign, not this whole, well, let's just sit down at a table and talk. This was like them actually putting together some action to reach out to say that we need to get things back on track. Yeah, they weren't just talking the talk, they were walking the walk. Exactly. So I know it's trite, but... And, yeah. and it was proof that he already is appealing to Republicans. Yeah, exactly. Which is encouraging. I mean, I, uh, he's a stand-up guy. He's got, he's got the character and he's got the background to, to prove that he, he is going to fight for you, right? Like, mm -hmm. and so I think people are starting to realize that, and I, I think we're not going to have a better chance to turn this district blue, right? This is, Democrats are mad about Trump. Republicans are mad about Trump. It's the Trojan horse, in Coke territory. Yeah, you guys like that? No? Okay. I, I don't know. Oh, okay. How... Well, I'll, go, I'll just leave it. <laughs> well, I think we've had a great conversation, Let's hold people folks. on as long as possible. And <laughs> I think it's time to wrap things up. Join us next week when we will be discussing... Other politics. AIDS. Insert subject. <laughs> Insert here. <laughs> Please come back for We will editing. be discussing... Cap and trade. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, have a good week, everybody. Go vote.